0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Perinatal anxiety and depression doesn't only affect mums. One in ten men in Australia get postnatal depression. Men and women can go through very different emotions after the birth of a child. So what does PND look like for men? And what does it take to get better? Israel is a spokesperson for Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia, otherwise known as Panda, and he's on the phone. Hi, Israel. Hi, how are you going? Good, thank you. How old is your baby now?
1: Oh, he's now seven.
0: Wow. (laughs) How time flies. (laughs) Absolutely. Looking back, can you tell when you started to feel unwell?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was... My son was born in October of 2010. He actually missed out on being a 10-10-10 baby by a matter of hours. (laughs) Um, But it's always a crazy time of year anyway because the Christmas rush kind of kicks in and all that kind of stuff. So I sort of started to feel not great by about November, December. So really only a month or two after he was born, um, I'd had biggest year on record personally and in our business so my wife and I at the time ran a photography studio and I just trained up and released four photographers into the world using my brand and business and so that was a huge effort in its own right Um, and then my wife stepped out of the business to have our son so I kind of lost my wingman in the company and then I'd also run a marathon and we'd also published two books and so you know the the list is kind of mounting and then we had a son (laughs) on top of that um, which interestingly was our second child but it was the one that really sort of tipped me over the edge to the point where I started just oh, not sleeping real well and, and not able to keep up or cope really very well with my workload. And you know, it was a fairly gradual decline, and then suddenly I realised I was at the bottom of this pit and I didn't know how to get out of it. You know, I just was, yeah, it was really not having a great time of it, and I was, uh, you know, drinking too much coffee to try and get through the work, and I just had this thing: if only I can make it through to Christmas and just to our, our family holiday, that'd be great. All. I'll be fine, I'll unwind, it'll all be okay as long as I can hold on to a Christmas and, and then after that I got to the Christmas break and I was even more detached and I was not connecting with my family and I was staying up late watching garbage TV and sleeping during the day instead of connecting with my kids and by the time we got back to Sydney after that holiday uh, my wife kind of confronted me and she just said look, you, for whatever reason, something's going on for you but you're not able to talk to me about it so you really need to have a chat with someone and, and see what's going on.
0: And when she said that to you, was it like a was it a, a light bulb moment for you? Was I mean, you knew that you weren't feeling great, but did actually having someone approach someone you loved approach you and say, "I think you might need help"? Was that what kind of switched it for you?
1: Yeah, it was. It was around that. So that, and I still remember the day of the week. Even it was a Friday, and it was in the morning. So I'd, I'd started a bit of work, and I had some clients do around lunchtime. And she pulled me aside just before that appointment, and she said, "Look." I think I've always had a really good open relationship with my parents and stuff. And so I rung my stepdad and and it was actually, so I was prompted by my wife. And then the phone call with my stepdad, I just kind of came clean in a sense. And I was honest with myself probably even for the first time. And I just said, I'm not coping. Uh, so I and, and it just all started flooding out of me. I said, I hate my business. I hate what we're doing. My family is just killing me at the moment. I just can't seem to get anything right or make it all work and I don't know what to do. And that was the first time I've been that blunt and that open about it all. So I think my wife prompting me was definitely the catalyst for that that conversation to then open up. And from that, he gave me the very stoic, but very useful advice of, well, you need to figure out the problem and fix it, and if you can't figure out the problem, you need to get some help to figure out the problem and then fix it. I went, oh, okay, well, it's pretty basic. I <laughs> got two paths in front of me, so <laughs> by that point, I'd sort of realised I wasn't able to figure it out on my own because I'd been banging my head against this virtual wall for probably two months. Or this by this point, so you know. So the next phone calls I made were to the doctor, and once I'd met with him, to the psychologist. So.
0: And can I just taking it one step back as well? Because hmm. I think um, when I said in the introduction, I think men and women can experience different emotions after the birth of their child. Do you think from what you've learnt being a spokesperson for Panda, do you think it's different for men um, going through that experience of starting to sort of unravel a little bit and then...
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It absolutely is different for men. I mean, the, the first and most obvious one is that we don't have the physical and hormonal changes that the mum has because we're not the one carrying the baby and giving birth to it. So that's a huge part of it. And And I think off the back of that, there's a... Still, one of the reasons I'm a spokesperson for Panda is because even in my own experience and even still today, there's a lot of misunderstanding that men can even suffer from postnatal depression. Um, You know, everyone's like, but they don't have the child. How does that work? And it's like, well, they're just as much of a party to the whole process of bringing a baby into a family. And for men, it's different in the sense that often our stresses and our pressures come from how do we help our partner go through this process of learning to feed and learning to nurture and nourish this child? How do we help take care of the household while they're sleep-deprived and up at all hours of the day and night? How do we help make sure that we're earning enough money to pay for the whole household if our partner stops working or deal with the extra pressure of now suddenly there's another mouth that I'm responsible for and all that sort of stuff. So it's 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 not necessarily the same. And on top of that, there's, I suppose... Um, Women have almost a a guaranteed entry into a mother's group or a parent's group in their local area as part of their uh, process after they have a baby. You know, the the local health department usually says, rightio, go and talk to these mums and join up to this group or these parents and and that'll give you uh, a network or a community. With dads that don't stay home as the primary carer, there's not really that same community and there's not really an enforced or even a... Um, it's not even an idea that maybe you might need a support group after you bring a baby into the world, to, you know, even though you're the dad. So there's a lot of different factors at play. Um, doesn't mean it's any less stressful or challenging. It's just from a different direction.
0: And also, I mean, it, I think with mental illness, it's, it's hard for anyone to ask for help. But it seems that uh, research shows that if men don't have strong friendships, they're less likely to... I guess talk to someone about it. I mean, do you think that is a case as well? I mean, I'm, I know it's hard for women as well to uh, to talk about it.
1: Yeah, look, I definitely think it's the case. I think the um, with with or without strong friendships for me, like I've got some really really great close friendships, and it's still confronting for me to say hey, I'm actually not feeling that great. Can I have a chat with you about it? Can we, you know, sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about our feelings? Even saying it to you on the, on the phone, <laughs> it, it, it sounds really weird, you know, right? But, yep. but it's it's kind of, it's an intrinsic way of how women relate to each other. They're very, like, at least in my experience personally with my wife and with her friends and my siblings and things, it's, it's very easy for women to relate to each other on an emotional level. And how are you going? I'm really not dealing with this, this and this. Can we talk about it? Yeah, sure. And off it goes. For guys... The number of times I've had really deep and meaningful heart-to-hearts with my best mate, I could probably count on one hand. They've been, they've been great, but it's just we, we relate to each other differently, and culturally, it's a different sort of setup. You know, we we are less likely to want to have these open, vulnerable conversations. And so because of that, yeah, it becomes quite difficult, A, to even admit that there's something we need to talk about, and then B to initiate that conversation. It's um it's in some situations almost like pulling teeth to try and get the words to start flowing, you know?
0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Israel, he's a spokesperson for Panda, and we're talking about postnatal depression in men and what it was like for Israel after his second son child was born, who was a son. Um Israel, if we were just to unpack the steps that you personally went through, first it was your partner, your wife, prompting you that something wasn't quite right. The next was having someone close enough that you felt you could speak to who was your stepdad. Yeah. And, um, that He seems really pivotal in your story in that he took what you were saying seriously and he offered you a way forward.
1: Mm. That's a really great point. And, and I think... Um the interesting part about this, and, and and while I'm fairly confident my dad won't listen to your radio station because <laughs> he's a retiree now, I hope he doesn't because. I have a harder time talking to my dad about some things like this because he's of the generation where it's, oh, you just stiff up a lip and you just push through and you deal with it. Mm. Um, even now, he finds it unusual that I'm so willing and open to talk about my experience of mental illness. Um, and so with my stepdad, the relationship is different. He comes from a slightly different cast, and so he's more willing to say, okay, well, you know, it's, it's sort of almost uh, listening without judgment and uh, a conversation about, well, I understand that that's how you're feeling and I'm not going to judge you one way or the other. I'm not going to try and shove solutions down your throat here, but maybe this is a way forward for you. And so you're spot on the money there. It's actually a really... It was a really important conversation for me to have because it was that point that changed everything, that I firstly admitted to myself that I wasn't coping and then I secondly admitted that I wanted to do something about it. And and then I started the process of researching. And so for men... That are listening, or for for women that are listening, that particular ability to listen without judgment, and then to just offer alternatives that might be a path forward. That was so key that if there's anyone in your life that's struggling a little bit, that you think they might be struggling, firstly just offer to ask you know ask them how can I help, or are you really doing okay now that you've had the child, da da da. But make sure that you're able to listen and have that conversation without judgment.
0: And without band-aiding it over, saying that it's just, you're just tired.
1: Exactly. Oh, you'll be right. You're just having a down day. No, it's kind of more like a down three months, but thanks, you
0: know. It's a little bit harder to get through than just one day.
1: That's right. That's
0: right. So what, you say um, after that you saw your GP and then they referred you to a a psychologist. Mm. What steps did you take after that for recovery? Was it seeing the psychologist was it taking medication was it what were your steps to finding a way through this
1: yeah so the first one just to to back up a tiny bit so the first thing was um my wife actually once i'd admitted you know i'm not doing so great she'd actually started researching online and found uh, i don't remember which website it was it might have been beyond blue's website just they had a questionnaire something to the effect of are you feeling this 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 and this and if so you might be in the kind of high-risk category for depression. So that was the first step for me. And she said, look, I just want to maybe get you to have a read through this and see if it matches up with what you're going through. Um, and that's another great option because it's low pressure and it's in the privacy of your own home. You don't need to make the appointment for the doctor if you don't want to straight away. So I found that really, really helpful and, and very um, non-confronting. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I went, Huh, well, clearly, like, I think I answered every question bar one with the, yes, this is how I'm feeling. So I was like, yeah, ding, ding, alarm bells, high-risk. Um, the GP and I had this pretty blunt chat which was I think I'm suffering depression and he said well you know you're a pretty healthy person normally and I never see you so I'm just going to believe you on that and give you some options forward and then the psychologist I met with um, straight after that or you know within the the next little while after that then gave me a bit of an action plan and for me personally my wife and I we have this philosophy that we want to try and address what's going on underneath rather than like you say, Band-Aid over it. And and in my particular situation, I was determined to try and figure out a way forward that didn't involve medication as a first resort. Um, I was able to kind of function. Um, now, that's not to say that everyone's going to be in that situation. I completely acknowledge there are a lot of people that simply need some medication just to be able to get out of bed in the morning and function. Um, that wasn't me, but I was able to address all the lifestyle factors and, and use that as the pivotal part for my recovery. So... The psychologist was really willing to work with me on they said, yep, we can give this a trial of a month and see how things go after a month of this protocol. And if it's not working, we'll look at a couple of other things. And then medication is kind of on the list as, as a, another treatment option down the line. Um, so for me, the first one was getting my sleep and my eating back in order. Um, I was eating a whole lot of garbage, drinking way too much coffee, drinking a bit too much beer, and then... Once we cleaned all of that up and got rid of as much of the processed food and got back to real stuff, as well as that, uh, getting a good eight hours sleep or nine hours sleep a night, and I think there may have even been some um, some supplements in there that my psychologist uh, prescribed for me too. But but those things were all designed to let my body and my brain's natural recuperative abilities get back on track. Because when I'm not sleep when I'm not sleeping enough personally. I start to get a bit wobbly even now. And so I know that I need to have a pretty good routine around how many hours of sleep I get and what time I get to bed, uh, what time I get up in the morning, and that makes sure that my brain rebalances and resets and I can then have the resilience and the strength to deal with the challenges I get thrown at me on the day-to-day with the family and with work. So um, I would probably argue that everyone needs to get a little bit more sleep (laughs) generally. Uh, I think it's a pretty uh, endemic problem that we have in the country, but or in Western society broadly, if we're going to get all philosophical. But I think that just generally, that's a great place to start. And then food as well. I found that there were some really big food group triggers for me. So too much sugar, too much gluten. You know, it sounds a bit wacky and a bit space age, new age, but I just did some tests and I went, wow, I actually feel so much better Leaving some of those things out of my diet, and so I'm just going to keep going with what makes me feel better. Yep.
0: What advice would you give to loved ones who are watching their men in their life suffer this way? Because, as you mentioned, sometimes men don't like to talk about their feelings. You did say, you know, ask them if they're okay and be prepared to listen. You also mentioned the website. Is there anything else that someone who is watching on and wants to help, is there anything else you'd say to them about how they might steer someone in the right direction? Look, I think
1: the the thing that made the biggest difference to me, even going through it, was knowing that my partner was on my team and that she wanted to help me get better. That and then also knowing that what I was going through was not unique just to me, that other people had experienced this and had sought treatment for this and had gotten through it and recovered. So that, that notion that it's not unheard of for a man to feel a little bit crap after the birth of a baby or to feel a bit depressed or a bit anxious or any of these sorts of things i think if you're a partner of a man who's suffering a bit you obviously know you'll you'll recognize that that he's not himself and that he's perhaps you know either a little tired more than usual or a little angry more than usual or a little short or, or whatever it is whatever the behavior is i would just perhaps try approaching the conversation with I want to work through this with you. I can see that you're hurting a bit or you're not yourself a little bit. And, and I, I want to try and work with you on how we can get you back to, to feeling normal. And wherever you are right now is completely fine. Um, but you just don't seem like yourself. And, and, you know, is it okay if we have a chat about this? Like, uh, really, the the sort of almost like the treading on eggshells kind of approach <laughs> For, for what it's worth, that made a huge difference for me. The fact that my wife didn't come out swinging, that she was actually very gentle in how she entered into and approached the conversations with me, so that was a huge one. And then I would say, as you mentioned, there's some great resources that you that that, uh, that wives and partners could conveniently place in front of their significant <laughs> other. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, look at this website I've just found. This this looks like a really good read. Why don't you have a quick squid? You know. Or, you know, leaving out some brochures from Panda on the table with their How Is Dad Going website so that the dad can read a few stories like mine about other men that have gone through challenges following the birth of a child. Or the, you know, the Panda hotline is a great one because that's all around perinatal anxiety and depression. That's all they focus on. So that 1-300 number, which no doubt you'll be able to share with your listeners, but I'll just say it anyway. It's one three hundred seven two six three zero six, 726 306 and it's open 9 a.m. to 7.30 p.m., definitely monday to friday possibly a few shorter hours on weekends but it's definitely monday to fridays 9am to seven thirty. anyway that that's a great way to start those conversations in a, a non-judgmental and even a an anonymous way in a lot of respects you know you can just ring them up out of the blue and say i, I think my partner's having a hard time and get some advice on how to approach that or Partner can ring up. The dad can ring up and say, "Look, I'm I'm struggling a bit. You know, what are some things you could talk to me about where to go from here, or how to seek treatment in a nice, easy way?"
0: What would you say to a man if he was listening and he thought, "Actually, I think this might be me. I don't think how I'm feeling is normal."
1: Mm, I would say the first thing is to is to know that it's okay to be honest with yourself about this and it's in fact really, really important to be honest with yourself about this. So I've talked a bit about that I'm not coping conversation that I had with my stepdad. That one moment of pure vulnerable honesty changed everything for me. That was the moment where I hit bottom and I pushed off starting to come back to normal again and recovery again. Um, so that, that's the first step. And then a second step is to know that you're not alone, that there are lots of people like me who have gone through really hard times after the birth of a child that have come out the other side and recovered. And there are tools and there are practices and methods and amazing practitioners who can help you on that journey, that you're not alone. You don't need to try and push through this one on your own.
0: I think for me anyway, with mental illness, that people, when we talk about it, the thing that those who are suffering really want to hear is, A, that they can recover, but also I feel that sometimes it's hard to imagine what that's like. When you're in the, in the depths of it, you can feel like, as you said, you're the only one, but that you're always going to feel like this. And I'm just wondering if you can articulate what it was like for you once you felt like you'd recovered.
1: Yeah. Um, the sun started coming out a bit more you know, um, is kind of the image that comes to my head. Like, I I went through a period of a few months where it was all clouds and storms, where I'd get up tired and miserable and not enjoying the prospect of the day in front of me of the work and the the arguments with my kids and my wife and all the stuff that I knew was going to happen because I was just in such a crap headspace. And then one day I woke up and I felt a bit lighter and I felt that, oh, actually I'm, I'm... feeling a bit more normal again, you know. That wasn't to say that suddenly it all just flicked a switch and it was all perfect overnight, but there were glimpses. There were little moments of sunshine breaking through the clouds in my head, you know, and then from there, those moments got slightly longer and slightly better until I reached a point where I looked back and reflected on it was probably a six- or seven-month journey for me and I went, oh, I'm actually kind of having a pretty good run here of a few weeks without really feeling... Completely gutted and completely empty and and vacant and hollow again. So that's actually a good thing. So I feel like I'm back to normal. I'm getting much closer to it. So and you know it's it's a different time frame for everyone. So I don't want everyone to think oh suddenly it'll be as long as or as short as six or seven months. But um but yeah for for me personally it was just that sense that I was able to face the day much more easily and and even with a bit of a spring in my step again the thing started to get back to that feeling of excited to be a dad and excited to be in a family and a relationship and and, you know I don't always love all of the work I do all the time but I'm actually willing to just get in and knuckle down and do some of it and I feel okay with that again.
0: Israel thank you so much for your honesty and for all of that advice it's been great talking to you.
1: it's been my pleasure. Thank you.
0: That's Israel. He's a spokesperson for Panda, and the resources that he spoke about, will pop them up at kindling.com.au. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.